It's 4 to 1. I'm Dan Beyer. And we're out of the pen, out of the mound for the second hour of Sports Talk. I'm Scott Beatty. Evan Kahn is now here with us. Last hour, we had Lauren and Robert Rosenthal from IlliniBoard.com. This hour, all kinds of goodies to bring you from Brad Underwood and Brett Bielma, Tommy DeVito, and, of course, some baseball talk as, as well. For whatever reason today, I, I guess I have not seen the front of you. <laughs> oh, I... I only saw your shoulders, back of your head, a little bit of side profile. <laughs> this could have gone so wrong. <laughs> and I, 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 so this was the first time. I mean, I almost thought, maybe, did you change shirts? But you didn't. And I'm, 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 I, it caught me because you're wearing a, a microphone logo with VIN yeah. in it uh, for, for obviously appropriate reasons. And uh, this thing just keeps coming at you hard. <laughs> um, uh, for, for a guy that retired several years ago now six yeah uh, 2016 for a guy that retired in 2016 and hasn't been on the air this is tough you know and and it was tough when he retired um but what a legend and i i, I don't know what i can say or anybody can say that hasn't been said to extol the virtues of him as the finest baseball broadcaster ever um but last night i it, it, last night was a hard night because I didn't learn about it until, well, it wanted to come out, 9, 30, 10, mm-hmm. something like that. Uh, I learned about it late, and then I'm watching this uh, the whole Royals deal with, with Michael Massey, and then I'm like, well, I'm not going to bed. <laughs> <laughs> it was hard, and I was tired, and then all of a sudden, uh, my brain's just running, and, and I just could not get enough of the memories that were coming in on, on Vin Scully. Um, the finest of the finest, and there's been a lot of Hall of Fame elite broadcasters in this craft but none finer yeah it's 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 hard to to put into words really what he was like like you said one of the finest if not the greatest sports broadcaster of all time but as you guys mentioned last hour i don't i don't think the best pi in the world could find dirt on vin scully (laughs) i mean he was just a great individual um you know he, he from from the time he was very young, he he wanted to call sports. He, he was lucky enough to get the Dodgers gig at 22, and, and he never gave it up. He, he moved across country. He was the voice of both the East Coast and the West Coast. He was the voice of the summer for so many for decades. I, I mean, the, to just think of all the different people he got to call games from from the 50s up until 2016. I don't think he called the last game where the Cubs clinched to to go to the pennant, but that could have been his last game in his last season. But just all of the calls that that he's associated with, you mentioned the 88 Dodgers call when Gibson hits the home run. It it was so improbable because that's possibly the worst team ever to win the World Series, (laughs) and he had to sit through it all season, and and then it comes down to the final game, and he got to call it. But uh, like you said last night, I'm glad I I was just so wore out from the last couple days 
days of trade deadline. Keegan Thompson got blown up early in the Cubs game. I passed out about 8.30, and I woke up to, to text messages and the tweet saying that, that Vin had passed and just kind of been, been memorializing him all day, just listening to all the calls. Right before we came on, I heard some uh, a replay of his last call saying, you know, so long – uh, th- this might be the last time we get to talk, but no, no matter what, you know, spring's going to come around again, and Dodger baseball is going to be right there. Uh, uh, just, just an icon. Yeah. And, and you know, it, it, you're not supposed to have heroes or, or icons and put them too high up, but he, he's one of those few people that that you can believe in and you can buy in. And and now he's gone. And I've tried to not be emotional today because I don't think Vin would be emotional. I, I'm, I'm sure he's grinning and he's happy and, and he would be he would feel better knowing that that we're appreciating him today rather than mourning him. Yeah. So uh, just just thinking of Vin and his whole family. Well, Brian Anderson on the, who I, I really think is a fantastic national voice and I know he does uh, Milwaukee and 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 various things but uh, he he last night he was mentored in in some ways by Vin Scully and he kept saying as they were remembering him he said if Vin were here he'd say get on with it he didn't like this this kind of attention you got a press box named after you among other things but okay um and he, he he would have said let's not dwell on this but um, it, 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 a person like him, you feel like you lost a friend. And I know that um, I, I know that in this industry, we can kind of navel gaze a little bit and and assume project onto everyone else what we're feeling because we feel close in a way, a kindred spirit, at least to fellow people in the media industry. You got Yasiel Puig tweeting and remembering Vin Scully. Uh, players don't always do that for just any broadcaster and and he 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 was just part of the tapestry of your life uh and 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 the the sound of baseball for so many people Dodgers fans are not that that he, he had that kind of impact I had this book of uh, it was like an anthology of baseball writing uh great you know, stories essays whatever around around baseball and perhaps there's been no sport written about <laughs> like baseball one of the things there was just a transcript of the final inning of sandy koufax's perfect game in 1965 because it was that good in literature that it, it, it had to be transcribed you know if you study jazz great jazz musicians will actually listen to improvised solos of great musicians and then write out the solo onto music paper mm-hmm. and and study it and 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 look at the melody that was created and was improvised. That's what you need to do with Vin Scully as he quote improvises that is says things extemporaneously and it turns out to be great literature. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's an awesome clip of him reading a grocery yeah. list and it, a it, half a pound of bologna. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, bologna. It's not it's not how we would say it. It's how Vin would say it. And it's just poetry. And it, all it is is items that you would find on the shelves. Um, just the he, he is the gold standard for for what we do. Uh, as far as calling games, calling baseball games, never had a partner, right? In this day and age, you know, everybody lauds the New York Mets booth. They've got to have three guys in there to keep that thing going and keep it lively. Vin was by himself through, you know, into his 80s. I know he didn't travel as much towards the end, but still calling 80 ball games a night by himself 
in Dodger Stadium, and he kept you hooked from beginning to end. Uh, my senior year or my junior year uh, of college, his last season, terrible sleep schedule, never really did anything until after the Cubs game. So I'd watch the Cubs games, and then at 10 o'clock you'd flip over and you'd listen to Vince Gully, and he'd put you to, to bed at night. And going back, you know, we played cards in high school, same kind of thing. Who else is on at 10 o'clock but Vince Gully and the Dodgers? So you, you, you turned him on, and, and how privileged we were to, to have him for so many years and for him to do it so long. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's just it's, it's going to be – he's been out of the game, like you said, for, for six years, but it's still going to feel like something's missing um, for, for a while. Absolutely. Meanwhile, on the south side of Chicago this afternoon – uh, a feel-good moment for for baseball. Massey was three out of eight in the Toronto series with three singles, and now he's going to loop one into right field, and he has his first base hit in Chicago in front of family and friends, and most of them are right behind or right beside the Royals' dugout. And I'm sure he heard that. As the ball hit the grass in right field. Yeah, how about that? You know what? This kid here, he can hit. It's going to be fun to watch this guy get opportunities, and that's exactly what Matheny said. Looking forward to seeing what he does with his opportunity. In on him just enough, but he had just enough uppercut on it where it dropped in, and there they are. Went two for three today. Michael Massey, uh, as uh, Whit Merrifield was traded by the Royals, and Massey takes his spot on the roster in the lineup today. Sox win it 4-1. to one. That's actually noteworthy because they're above 500 by two games for the first time since April. Uh, but that's a side point here. <laughs> Michael Massey grew up, uh, what, Orland Park, Brother Rice uh, alum, and grew up a Sox fan. And although he made his big league debut a few weeks ago, is this was his U.S. debut. <laughs> and <laughs> on it's American in, soil. On, on, now it really counts. Yeah, against the team he grew up rooting for. <laughs> And again, and with with a whole uh, a whole crew in attendance, uh, one of the Royals TV people estimated between forty and seventy of his family and friends there on, on hand. So just a, a great great moment for him, great moment for Illinois baseball, and uh, what five for eleven lifetime now. So <laughs> doing pretty good. Still better than George Brett. <laughs> well, <laughs> okay. okay this whole, I'm just saying, statistically okay. speaking. He has a grand total of an ISO of zero, okay? <laughs> this guy, I don't think he's hit a ball over 75 mile an hour, but they found holes, and congratulations to no, Michael Massey nonetheless. Uh, thanks to the White Sox fans for leaving so many empty seats so that <laughs> yeah. Michael Massey's family could be in attendance. But that's really cool. Um, I... I when we were talking, when he got that call as part of the COVID deal, when they went to Toronto, he, he just idealistically going on 25 needs to be added to the 40 man. Made sense to to give him a look there because they, they could do it without any you know any penalty or, or adding him. And and now Merrifield's gone. That's an open spot, and and he's in there in the lineup. Um, they're still going to make a decision. He's probably going to have to find some extra base hits here over the next yeah. couple of months to stick around. But he's going to get he's going to get opportunities. And, and what a better time than than you know right now as the Royals are, are trying to figure out where they move in that next phase. We'll see if Michael can can step up his game as he transitions to the pro level. Yeah, I mean he certainly was showing the pop that wasn't 
there tremendously in, in college and his it's early been years. Very he, surprising. Uh, but he's he's at his healthiest point ever in his in his college or professional career. The back's healthy. He feels good. So the pop's been there at Double A and Triple A. So hopefully it translates to the big leagues. I think his glove is is big league ready. Um, he's he's just very sure handed. He just makes all all the plays. So it. it and the other thing is the Royals have question marks not only for second base but also third base. Mm-hmm. So maybe there's something. I, I I was a little bit surprised. I just had a feeling it was going to be a little bit longer term for him. But all this kind of cycled through, and he, he's met the moment so far. And, yeah, obviously I'm kidding. He, you know, he's not yet ready to put him in <laughs> at a George Brett level, but he's just got a better batting average. So. <laughs> yeah, you know, as long as we in don't 11 put, at bats. Yeah, we don't put any qualifiers there, how many at-bats you got to have. There's but no minimum as, ABs. Yeah, as far as Royals with at least 11 ABs, yeah, yeah, Michael Massey ahead of <laughs> Min, George Brett. You, Min you throw AB. maybe 10,000 plate appearances on there, then <laughs> it starts dwindling down. Yeah, 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 we got we, we got some, some distance to cover here yet. But anyway, <laughs> uh, and, and the Sox win the series. Again, the Royals are not very good. Yeah, typical Sox fashion. You drop the first game in sort of a dud, and then it's like, oh, yeah, we should probably beat the Royals, and they beat up on them for two straight days. It's raining in St. Louis, so we'll Mm. see if the Cubs and Cardinals get in tonight. Uh, Last night, uh, we talked about what would the dynamic and the emotion be of everything last night. Well, the Cubs didn't. And and the and the and the Cardinals did. Well, it, it, <laughs> the Cubs didn't, and the Cardinals did. And did you see what happened in the Nationals game? Not only were they without Juan Soto and Josh Bell, but they were facing Jacob Degrom in his season debut, and they won. Yeah, they won. They, their starting pitcher was a guy that the Cubs released earlier this year. You know, because that's just how baseball works. Don't don't bet on <laughs> baseball. No, never. Fun stuff. All right, we got uh, Brad Underwood talked with us today. He gave us a wrap up on the summer Illini basketball workouts. And we've also got some audio from Brett Bielma and Tommy DeVito on the football side. So there's plenty ahead. We are off and running on Sports Talk. We've had the storms come through. If you're at all concerned about any storm damage with the wind and the rain, uh, I don't know if we've had any hail, but if that does happen, see you under construction can help. Sometimes you can't even see the damage. Um, when when it is there, especially on a roof. Free estimates for you for CU under construction, 217-954-0385. They're very experienced with the insurance process. It's easy to go on their website right now, cuunderconstruction.com, to fill out an appointment request. Right now, we're getting our homework done inside with a new laundry room and bathroom. Just love the way they communicate, and that uh, is how they handle things. They communicate well with their clients. They communicate well internally with their whole team, from the sales to the project managers to the folks that are actually doing the work to the final walkthrough process. It's a very aligned in the way they approach their work, and that's why they're popular. See you under construction. I commend them to you. Give them a call. Check them out online, seeyouunderconstruction.com. Hope you're staying dry. Uh, It looks like the worst of it is past here in terms of the severe thunderstorms that rolled through. But be aware for the weather today. It's Sports Talk Midweek Edition. Scott and Evan here in the second hour of the program. Tommy DeVito, Illini quarterback, QB1, remains to be seen. Nonetheless, he weighed in on the progress the Illini have made, and he in particular with 
the new OC in Barry Money Jr. and four practices in on fall camp. So much. Like you could tell the difference of the team, even from obviously the first day of spring ball, learning the offense from the last day of spring ball, the last practice after the spring game. The difference from now to the first day of fall camp is a huge jump, and I think that's just a tribute to how much time and effort we put in throughout the summer and throwing routes, you know, getting in the film room and just watching and really just learning and dialing in, you know. It's just a giant difference, especially in the tempo. You can tell the tempo, everything is so much faster. Us just seeing signals, being able to play fast and do it fast, it's just a giant jump. I guess with you and I, you kind of talked about both of you guys bonding and learning over, kind of taking your bumps to other schools. What have you guys kind of learned from those experiences? Just adversity. You know, we had a talk yesterday about it, and that's kind of fresh in my mind. But, um, you know, adversity, that's what football is all about. Whether it's on the field, you know, you can look at the best team in the country, whoever you call it, even the NFL, anything. There's always going to be ups and downs in the game. It's about staying level. It's about staying in the middle and how you grow up from adversity and how you react to it. You have shown that you can get it done. You had one really good season. I think it was 19, 2019. Yep. What's the keys to getting back to that? Staying healthy. That's number one for sure. That's in any sport at any level. The biggest thing is staying healthy, taking care of your body, and then mentally just, you know, from then to now, how much I've grown mentally, you know, just being able to learn, like, learn how to watch film better. You know, that's a big thing, especially for young guys, you know. So for young guys, like, the three younger guys we have in the room, that's just us, the older guys are helping them, like, how you watch this, how you, like, what are you looking for when you're watching? So I think the biggest jump from 19 that is mentally, you know, just going out there, just trusting myself, trusting my teammates, and that'll get me back on track and even better. Staying healthy, are you a guy who's going to drop your head and get a couple extra yards, or you slide and run out of bounds? There's a time and place for everything. Third down, got to go get it. Got to go get it. Don't, there's always time to take care of your body, you know. Running backs are here to run the ball. You know, that's not, that's not going to be our go-to as quarterbacks. But, um, you know, when, when it's there, we're going to take it. We're here. We're Warriors as well. We take hits in the backfield. It's no different taking a hit in the open field. All right, just to be clear, I did not speed up the audio. Tommy DeVito, he's a, he's a faster dogger. <laughs> it is quick talking. This is Jersey. We've got to keep moving here, people. That's uh, how we approach I got to get to the gas station. Somebody's <laughs> got to pump my gas. <laughs> Brett Bielma, Illini head coach, weighing in on Art Sikowski's comfort level compared to a year ago now, injury-free, and then the ins and outs of this quarterback competition. Spoiler alert, no answers. Overall, yeah, from Skelly's to even just Indies to, um, you know, nice passing there again today. Um, yeah, I definitely think he feels, I'm sure he probably said it, right? Like he definitely, without a doubt, uh, you know, and this was kind of a big day for him to get through the four straight days of throwing. So um, I'm excited. I feel good for him. I know the kids like him having him out there. And uh, Tommy, I thought, had an exceptional good day today, today as well. So uh, even Donovan Leary came in there and did some nice things today, which was nice. Coach, when it comes to you with quarterbacks over the course of your career, has it kind of changed how you deal with it, you know, year to year? Are you different now than you when you first started it? Um, I'm, I'm sure I'm not just quarterbacks, to be honest, but I've, I've evolved with right. all positions. One thing I always say to quarterbacks when I'm recruiting them, um, uh, when, when they sign, you know, before they get here, um, after they're here, you know, I have individual meetings with those guys a lot of times. We'll, we'll talk about how we want to play the game. Uh, I always tell quarterbacks, I tell their parents especially, right, like, uh, quarterbacks and head coaches are a lot alike, right? You probably get way too much credit when things go well, and you get way too much blame uh, when they don't go well. But as a head coach, that's what I sign up for, right? That's why I get paid what I do. And, but as a quarterback, you really, that's not fair to them, right? Uh, unlike any other position. So um, if I can ever do anything to pull the pressure off the quarterback, um, I'm sure you guys saw last year, even with kind of the, not musical chairs, but two, between two guys, there was a lot of in and out, in and out. And I, you know, I was very, uh, supportive and conscientious of that and everything I said and did. Um, 
And and I just think if you ever, if the quarterback ever feels that he loses his head coach, he doesn't have a chance, right? And and um, um, I haven't been put in that position very often in my career, but uh, I really like our quarterback room. Uh, even a guy like Kirk Lamichel just came in today and did a nice little devo uh, uh, period at the end. It was very impressive. It's easy to see Barry knows what he's doing, um, and, and uh, the guys really respect what he says. Have you had years where you were surprised by somebody maybe a quarterback doing maybe more than you thought? Has that ever happened where you? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You, know, I, um, you know, I think back my first year, I signed a young man, Scott Tolzien, who was the last scholarship I ever gave in that recruiting class. And, you know, he took us to 10 win seasons in our first Big Ten championship. And, and I think he came in. Uh, was sitting maybe third or fourth, earned a starting role, uh, took us to a 10-win season and, and was very diligent in the way he approached the game. Um, uh, Russell Wilson, I'm sure, you know, just because I hadn't been around him. Um, Brandon Allen was another guy when I was at Arkansas that, you know, he's yeah. still playing in the league. Uh, you just see the nuances that they have. And really, a quarterback, you really don't get to know him until you see when the bullets are flying against him, right? Uh, it's one thing to be a, a guy when things are going well, but when things are against him, that's when you learn. So there's some of Brett Bielma's thoughts on this uh, quarterback uh, competition. And I, I felt, oh, well, it's got to be Tommy DeVito, right? It's got to be Tommy DeVito. Robert and Lauren last hour weren't as quite as convinced. Um, we'll just have to see. Well, then, It makes Brett, for fun conjecture and debate. Exactly. It gives us something to talk about for three weeks. It means Brett Bielma's doing his job if he's convincing Robert and Lauren that there might be a competition. But for me, you've got a fifth-year, one-year quarterback who just left his last school because he wasn't starting. He left mid-year because he was not starting. To, to, to sit in his living room and tell him, come to Illinois, you might start this year. I just don't buy it. If Tommy DeVito is not QB1 against Wyoming, either A, they think they can win without him, or B, something's gone horribly wrong with Tommy DeVito. That's, yep. that's where I stand on it. I guess there's the chance that Art is just vastly different than he was a year ago post-surgery and, and whatever. It just seems like that would be too quick. Um, to, yeah, to he's not Henry Gardner. <laughs> I don't think he went through nice. surgery and he randomly got the the arm of the rocket. Yeah. So maybe, yeah. but I mean, we don't know. But <laughs> good, good drop there with rookie of the year. Did good. not have that played whatsoever. You know the guy that pros uh, pro. You know the guy he struck out uh, the the big scary looking dude in the movie with the with the mustache. He eventually uh, he was a pitcher, right? And he eventually was on Northwestern's staff. Huh. Uh, I did not know that. He was I actually knew, a big league pitcher. I knew he was a pitcher, and it's just funny that, yeah, this big, burly pitcher, we're going to make him look like the intimidating hitter. And he probably couldn't hit an 80-mile-an-hour <laughs> fastball, but, you know, the theater of the mind. Movies do, do Well, you couldn't hit things. the 30-mile-an-hour floater. <laughs> that's for sure. You, uh, the EFIS pitch, that's a tough one to hit. Uh, you, you see these guys regularly struggle against position players. It's not consistently a five-run inning. All right, we're going to step aside for a moment and be back with some more. So how about some basketball? Been uh, teasing you, Brad Underwood. He's got an update for us on Sky Clark and how uh, the summer went as we, as the as the players will go home for a few weeks and the coaches will get some time off as well and then get back to it.
We roll along on Sports Talk. You got anything to weigh in with? It's the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 217-351-5357. The summer portion of basketball workouts is concluded. A little bit of break now. We talked with Luke Goody last week and he said he's going home and putting his feet up for a couple of weeks as long uh, as well as the rest of the players. Good news, Sky Clark, 100% cleared to go. Brad Underwood elaborates. Well, he's in a pretty good place. Conditioning-wise is his biggest challenge, uh, you know, being limited. Uh, he worked extremely hard, um, you know, in talking with Paul Schmidt uh, and, and Fletch. Uh, they were extremely impressed with his work ethic, his dedication to getting that, that back and, and, and 100% healthy. Uh, I think that gives him tremendous confidence on the mental side. Uh, but, um, you know, he's got to, to uh, you know, have a productive fall in terms of just getting back in shape and uh, at the level that uh, he'll need to be to play. How are you able to bring Sky along from a basketball standpoint as he worked over the last 12 weeks to get cleared? Yeah, he was able to do individual stuff. And and now it's just a matter of, of um, you know, he would do possessions. Uh, you know, he couldn't go full bore all the time. And, uh, you know, so he hasn't missed a ton. He's missed the conditioning piece of the continual running. And uh, uh, now that he's cleared for that, uh, we did a good amount of that the last two days in our workouts when he was cleared. And, and um, he's looked terrific. So... You know, his, um, his conditioning, that'll be the one thing that he'll, you know, he'll have to go. He's missed a year of playing. And, and, and just that, that feeling you get of being fatigued and having to push through it. And, and uh, uh, he's always been stopped because he's never been able to get to that point. But uh, the leg itself is, is 100%. We saw some of that bounce uh, and quickness and explosion in these last two days, and, and that's exciting to see. Well, there you go. I mean... I just Thanks. hope Sky Clark wasn't finishing first in any of those conditioning <laughs> yeah, exercises. You're, you're out sprinting everybody up and down the floor. <laughs> I doubt it, though. They got some hard workers in that gym. They do. And, and by all accounts, the and Underwood's intimated as much, just a little bit of a different vibe, uh, maybe a different hunger because of the new faces, and nothing is necessarily established in I think it's pretty. Sh- I think we're pretty sure Terrence Shannon's going to start, right? <laughs> well, that and, and just but, with all the turnover, you know, all of the the animosity, you know, you think with Iowa and with Michigan, I, I feel like a lot of that's gone. A lot of these new guys are coming in, and, and they've kind of got to pave their own path, right? There's just going to be so many guys that that haven't experienced Big Ten basketball, haven't played in the these games over the last two three years as Illinois built up, where. Now they've got a they they've kind of got to bring the fire with it probably because yeah. it's not proving yourself from the last season they don't have anything really to go off of. Well, yeah, I mean you got you got your sophomores, but none of them were the dude. No. last year I'm not knocking them. I'm just saying they weren't. You had yeah. your your Trents and your Demontes and obviously your Kofis and um, your Jacob Grandisons. You don't have the old guys here are new, mm-hmm. and the experienced in Illinois uniform guys are still young. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's probably just a different energy and maybe a little uh, moldable in a in a refreshing way to the coaches. Not that, I mean, Trent and DeMonte were everything you wanted them to be if you're Brad Underwood right. in terms of their, their toughness and their, their, their character. 
but in terms of, I'm talking basketball moldableness. You can kind of just, you know, play around and figure things out. And, and that makes things interesting. And Underwood has said, uh, I've said it too, just don't expect this to be a polished gem in November. Wait, wait till later. As we talked about yesterday, uh, basketball and volleyball have kind of had the two opposites experiences when it comes to regular and postseason. Volleyball's had more success postseason, but hasn't been able to crack winning the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. Uh, basketball has done the opposite. Figured out how to win this conference, but hasn't figured out how to go deeper in the postseason. Which would you rather have? Well, you want both. But I think we're seeing more and more it's all about March. Yeah, and the the top of the Big Ten for, for volleyball, they keep going. <laughs> Nobody in the Big Ten can make it past the Sweet 16. So everybody's kind of dealing with that as far as basketball. Yeah, no, Not yeah, just fair. Brad Underwood, but the other 13 teams here in the Big Ten. But, but yeah, volleyball, um, how you, you co- overcome Wisconsin's and the Nebraska's and the Penn State's, um, that's just going to come with talent. But they've figured out, they know how to win. They've built that winning culture from when you step in as a freshman to, to the senior years leaving and and you'd like to think even though Trent and DeMonte are gone that they've left that kind of legacy oh yeah when not when when they came here that that's not what Malcolm Hill left behind God bless Malcolm Hill a great basketball player but that winning culture wasn't here now it's here and, and those freshmen as you say they get to mold it into how they're going to achieve success here at Illinois little X's and O's talk about would Brad Underwood consider playing since this is now a wing strong team how about five out absolutely I, there, I don't think there's any question about that and uh, you know I think it's uh, uh, I think we have tremendous positional size and uh, what that looks like uh, I don't know in terms of I, I'm working very hard myself just <clears throat> not to label guys the only way I want to label guys is is maybe who they can and cannot guard but on the offensive side, um, you know, we've had RJ just in as many ball screens as we've had uh, Jaden Epps, or and we we put Coleman in them in different positions, and and Coleman has been a facilitator. So um, we've looked at a lot of different things on that side, and um, and really playing positionless, trying to play to matchups. Um, you know, on the defensive side, being able to do a lot of different things with. With switching and and other things that we haven't been able to do, so uh, yeah, I like I like the concept of uh, a whole bunch of wings that are a little bit different and can do a lot of different things themselves with the, with their skill sets. On that note, do you envision a team that in the box score would be much more distributed in terms of points and rebounds, assists, and all that, as opposed to what you had in Iowa and Kofi? Yeah, you know, I think I think you always play to uh, I think you always play to your 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 strengths, there's no doubt. Obviously, Kofi uh, was was a dominant piece with a matchup, no matter who he had, and you know, within five feet of the rim. I think, you know, we put Io in 75, 76 percent of our ball screens, and knowing he was going to facilitate and make the right right decisions, and that will will there'll be some level of that. Uh, I think there always is. I think you want to get your your best players in their best and most comfortable positions to try to score, and uh, and yet. Uh, uh, I'm all in favor of five, six, seven guys in double figures. I think that's uh, that's the ultimate sign of a great team. Yeah, yeah I, I think the if you get my microphone fell off, that's why you're <laughs> laughing at me. Bad luck. 
Somewhere Mike Hale is saying, that's why I always check before I go on the air. I know, I know, I didn't check. It's kind of like an awkward reflex for me, but (laughs) sometimes you you do forget at at times. Look, you, you. I don't know who the. Uh, we've had fun conjecture, and I think it'll be fun between now and and the start of the season. Who's who's going to score the most points? Who's going to be the assist guy on this team? Who's going to be the rebound guy? But I don't know that there is a superstar. I think you can. It'd be interesting what the preseason polls are, but who's going to be all Big Ten? Mm-hmm. Who'd be a first team all Big Ten guy? Uh, you might get surprised. But I think this is more of um, uh, the the stats are going to be shared, and that's fine. Underwood's still concerned about who the leader is, and we'll have to figure out who's the alpha. And that might not necessarily. It's just clear before, you know, this was Iowa's team, right? Um, it was kind of Andre Felice's team, actually, in a way, mm-hmm. a few years ago. We don't know whose team it's going to be from the leadership standpoint, and maybe that also means statistically. You you look at the the veterans that they brought in, both Shannon and, and Meyer, guys that that fill up the staff stat sheet. But yeah, aren't aren't those guys that are going to lead you in points? So maybe every now and then they they might have a a game where they go off, and that was the question early on last year, and. and never really came to fruition and kind of the way that he talks I don't think it will this year either in that yeah it used to be Io's that closer right and then last year it's like well you don't really have a closer because there wasn't anybody you particularly trusted one-on-one handling the ball whereas this year there's a lot of guys that you trust one-on-one and maybe some days Sky Clark has the better matchup some days Terrence Shannon has the better matchup and they put the ball yeah. in his hands but I just don't know if there is Kofi was a night in night out double double threat mm-hmm. shoot Io could be a triple double threat <laughs> right I don't know that there's going to be that guy statistically but um, <laughs> you know you might have a whole bunch of uh, uh, you know, you know, like in Euchre, you got your right and your left Bowers, right? Mm-hmm. You, you maybe you don't have a, a, too many rights, but you got a lot of lefts. <laughs> you <laughs> or, got the second best cards, you know, and, uh, you know, the total sum of the talent is pretty high on this team. Um, there might be other individuals. There might not be one individual that out-talents. I don't know who else from, I can't think of the other stars out there right now the big 10 but you know like a a, a trace jackson davis you yeah know, whatever. i i was just thinking back and, and this isn't a a perfect comp but you you really think about those late bill self teams and, and the the early run of bruce weber they had five guys averaging double figures averaging three rebounds everybody averaged a couple three assists uh, uh, along the way and, and i think that's what you're looking for with this team. Who's going to hit shots? Whoever can hit shots from the outside is probably going to average the most points because they're not going to dominate in low, down low like they have with Kofi in the past, and they really don't have a, a physically dominant guy out down low to, to clear out that space. So it's going to be guys getting to the rim, guys creating shots for other guys, and, and guys creating shots for themselves and then knocking them down. Step aside, final thoughts in a moment. Coming up on the finish line here in Sports Talk, so many good things being shared. Uh, Vin Scully moments, and he's one of those guys you could read you the phone book and it'd be enthralling. <laughs> he did read a grocery list one day on a broadcast. Somebody asked him to do it. This is what it sounded like. Sure, Andy, I'd be happy to. Well, let's see. We've got 
A dozen eggs, a quart of milk, a loaf of bread, a can of frozen orange juice, six small white onions, a green pepper, garlic powder, a package of American cheese, pickles, kosher that is, bananas, cornflakes, maple syrup, toothpaste, paper towels, toilet paper, six bars of soap, hot dogs, quarter pound of chopped meat, steak, lamb chops, package of spaghetti, three apples, bologna, cottage cheese, a pound of butter, two ears of corn, beer, ketchup, peanut butter, soy sauce, and a half a pound of coffee. <laughs> it is beautiful. You know, when I hear it, it sounds like when they're going to commercial break on the old family feuds or something. It's brought to you by beer, <laughs> Bologna, <laughs> by cottage cheese, <laughs> just anything. You you could give the grape man anything. Grape nuts are a great way to start your day. <laughs> exactly. Somebody shared him doing an old Continental Airlines commercial, and he's take he's sitting in a ballpark seat, and then he's sitting in the the plane seat, and whatever seat you're in, you're blah, blah, you know. And, it's from the late 70s. Uh, good stuff. Fine man, a gentleman, and uh, the gold standard of baseball broadcasting. And he will be missed indeed. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of Sports Talk. We're back tomorrow, 4 to 6, bringing you more of the latest um, Cubs and Cardinals. We'll see if they get her in. Yeah, it's supposed to be a Illini night. Shauna Green's down there hanging out, waiting to throw out first pitch. But I don't know if they do those sorts of things in rain-delayed games. So if the Illini fans are out there, hopefully you brought your poncho, and uh, we'll, we'll see if we can get some baseball in. Saw some consternation that Illinois is, or rather, the Cubs are going to host Iowa night with the Iowa Hawkeyes like they do with the Illini night. I think the, the state of Iowa has a nice tie to the Cubs. Uh, yeah, clearly. That's, that's pretty wild. Hawkeye night, though. That's a, that's a long ways away. Feels sacrilegious. I don't know. All right, sound on. Coming up, this is News Talk 1400, 93.9 FM, WDWS, Champaign-Urbana. Thank you to Robert Rosenthal, Lauren Tate, Evan Kahn, and Ed Bond. I'm Scott Beatty. Good night.